and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nitty Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Pregar. And Kevin, I don't know about you, but Beaver Stadium is going to be a flurry of white. Uh, and it, I'm not talking about snow this early in the in the season. No, and ironically, it's been dubbed the Avalanche of Sound. 7.30 p.m. kick white out on CBS. CBS returns to Beaver Stadium for the first time in I don't know how long. And uh, they get a night game and probably their first ever broadcast of a whiteout. Yeah, it will be CBS's first whiteout. But the biggest thing, you know, is it's Iowa. Iowa is no stranger to the whiteout. Iowa is no stranger to playing Penn State in front of a big crowd and in a big environment. You know, they play at Kinnick. So if there's ever a team outside of Ohio State and Michigan that's prepared, for or, or as, as prepared as you can get for a whiteout, it would be the Hawkeyes and Kirk Ferentz. He's been there for for forever since the Backstreet Boys were popular the first time, and it's just one of those situations where he's familiar with the programs, he's familiar with with what goes on there. So that gives them a little bit of more of an advantage than say like a Minnesota or what have you coming into town. Yeah, and Kinnick Stadium's capacity is sixty nine thousand, so. There's going to be an extra 40,000 people there. They've played in front of 107,000 at Beaver Stadium. They do it every other year, it seems like. Um, it's always a night game between Iowa, it also seems like, too. So Iowa is going to be ready to play in that environment. Cade McNamara, their starting quarterback, is no stranger to the whiteout, being that he was at Michigan for eight years. <clears throat> so this is a team that they're not going to get spooked by this whiteout, but uh, Joe... Joe Smeltzer reported earlier this week of just who Iowa is going to be missing on offense. And uh, I think it is going to hurt the quality of the contest. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, that's a nice crowd size uh, for a stadium, but it doesn't quite beat 110,000, which is the anticipated number at, on Saturday night. Um, it, but yeah, you lose your, your top receiver in Luke Lachey um, and, and tight end Luke Lachey, I should say. And then you're also going to be down starting running back Caleb Johnson and his replacement, Jijuan, um Patterson. And when it, it's getting down to a point for them where they're even their backups for their running back for their starters that are hurt are hurt. And that's that's unfortunate for an offense that has really struggled. We we highlight Brian Ferentz quite a bit because of his contract stipulations needing to score over 24 points. And yes, they did so against Western Michigan, they scored 41 points, though I don't put a lot of stock into put putting up 41 points against a team ranked near the bottom of Division One football and points allowed. Um, so that, take that for what it's worth. But yeah, when that happens, I mean, that's, that's going to be tough. And for an offense that's already struggled this season, that's not necessarily a recipe for success against Penn State in a raucous environment. No, and Western Michigan lost 48-7 to to Syracuse the week before, and they beat uh, uh, St. Francis 35-17. to So the fact that they were only barely able to double up St. Francis tells you about all you need to know about the quality of opponent that Western Michigan is. Um, you mentioned they're without their top two running backs, but LaShawn Williams last week, 12 carries, 145 yards, 12.1 a tote with a long of 53. That's He's not, he's not an incapable backup. And uh, Kamari Moulton, who's going to be his sidekick for uh, Saturday night and probably for a couple weeks going forward, he also looks pretty capable. So Penn State defense is still going to have to 
defend the run game because that's quite frankly all Iowa has. Cade McNamara averaged like right at 200 yards passing a game at Michigan in that one year that he started. And last weekend, he was 9 of 19 for 103 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions. So definitely not a prolific air offense. Iowa's never been a prolific air offense. It's going to be a heavy dose of defending the run. And Penn State really showed last week against Illinois that they they can be up to the task. Yeah, and that's the thing. This defense is going to be tough. It's the toughest defense that Iowa has faced this season, and it's been a dominant defense. You know, they're they're forcing turnovers, they're forcing bad plays, and they're getting quarterbacks off schedule. Obviously, McNamara has probably the most experience of a quarterback coming into this game, uh, into a matchup against Penn State, but at the same time, this isn't the Penn State that he faced last year. This is this defense is strong. This defense is stout, and and it's going to be a battle for them. And they they struggle to put up points as it is. And I think it's going to be another low scoring game for Iowa. But the Iowa defense has got to bring it. We'll talk a little bit more about what they need to do um, in the second segment. But it's just one of those situations where this defense for the Nittany Lions is going to come ready to ball. And I think if they stay gap sound and, and really minimize the the defense or minimize their mistakes that things are going to work out pretty well for the Nittany Lions. No. And this is where the advantage of the whiteout comes in. Obviously the the crowd is quiet for offense. It's going to be loud for on defense. So the defense is going to be able to thrive off of the crowd noise. And I don't know about you, but every time I go to a whiteout, like it could be eight o'clock. I could have been tailgating all day and I was dead tired before I started, before the game kicked off. About 30 minutes before, like the jolt of energy from the crowd is just, I mean, it's a high, like you don't go to bed until like one, two o'clock after the game. So it's, it's going to be bad news for uh, Kate. It could be bad news for Kate McNamara on Saturday with, with that crowd going to that. If that defense starts fueling off the crowd, man, it's going to be, could be a long day at the office. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you look at the, the, the timeout that, that forced, um, that Michigan was forced to take before even snapping the football. It's loud. I've been on the field later in games when it, it's loud. Um, 2016 game rings a bell, but yeah, it, it's, it's an incredible environment. It's incredibly noisy. It's there's nothing that can replicate it. You can pump all the music you want in, but you just can't replicate the sound and the optical illusion that is, the whiteout. You've obviously got that sea of white. It's a tough backdrop. Um, your receivers are going to be in white jerseys. They're going to be dressed up like the Steelers um, with their white tops and yellow bottoms, I believe. So it's going to be just like the the Penn State and the Lions are facing off against the Pittsburgh Steelers Saturday night at Beaver Stadium. But it's just it, it's a tough environment for McNamara. The best thing for him going forward is the fact that he's played at Penn state in this type of environment before Francis coached in it. And that there's value in that, but I don't think that's going to be enough to put them past the Nittany lions. No, I don't think so. We can also play a fun game of who's more competent offense, the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Iowa Hawkeyes. But I think we might oh, want to, I think we might want to leave that one alone. Wow. Hey man, as a Steelers, say Pitt. I mean that too, but. You, you pulled the color scheme, so we could we could uh we it's could talk about that. I mean, we could shit on Pitt with uh talking about KP great and his uh, performance on Monday night, but I think we'll leave that one alone. Hey. So yeah, Penn State, think... Penn State, Iowa on Saturday night, folks. Get ready for it. White out. That's right. 
when we come back from this quick break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Penn State offense and the Iowa defense on the Lashing Out podcast on the New Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out podcast and the Sports Now Network. He's Kevin. I'm Jared. Kevin. Penn State's offense didn't do a great job against uh, Illinois last week, but again, it's a road game, first road game of the year. You're playing at 11 a.m. Things are a little bit different for them, but now they're back in the the home field advantage. It's going to be probably better than it'll be all year, and it's going to be one of those situations where they got to face off against a, a pretty tough Iowa defense going into this one. Yeah, and this Illinois gave Iowa the blueprint last week, right? Stack the box and make Drew Aller throw. And we'll see if Mike Yersich makes the adjustments of putting their defense into bad spots. I think we talked Sunday about it that there was plenty of opportunities to put that Illinois in a bad def- in a bad defensive spot with the personnel they were playing. So we'll see if Yersich is able to make that kind of adjustment. But this Iowa defense has shown that they can stop the run. 3.3 yards of carry last week. I think 2.8 yards of carry against Iowa, Iowa State. Um, and their pass defense gave up 124 yards last week, 107 of which came on two plays. So this is the defense that can play. Granted, that was the Western Michigan offense. Uh, I don't think that they have Drew Aller playing quarterback for them. But if, if Trey Wallace is not back, uh, this could be another long day for the Penn State offense. Yeah, Franklin mentioned today or mentioned Wednesday night after practice that Trey Wallace could have played, but he wouldn't have been at full speed or, or in a position to help himself. Uh, so that's why he was held out. Same with Omari Evans. Uh, I would expect them to play. James Franklin did not admit as much, but I do think that they will play. But on it, uh, you know, Penn State has scored 30 or more points in 10 straight games. They got to 30 points last week in really a bizarre way. Um, but at the same time, it, it's one of those situations where they're they're beating teams, and it's they're not. It wasn't pretty, but it's a win nonetheless. And I think that that matters. Ugly wins are going to happen. It's not whether you. It's not how pretty a win can be, but they're they're covering the spread. They're they're undefeated against the spread, and it, it's one of those situations where they're going to continue to to keep doing their thing. And, and if they're able to do that, it, it's going to be big. I mean, the biggest thing for um, for the Nittany Lions against Iowa is to just come out and play their game, get get into rhythm. Uh, listen, teams are going to sell out to stop Singleton and, and Katron Allen and make Drew Aller beat them. Well, prove why Drew Aller can do it. Now, I think Drew Aller didn't get the benefit of the doubt much against Illinois. A lot of drops, a couple crucial penalties that went against the Nittany Lions. But if he's able to really play a solid game of football, control possession, it's going to be a really easy win for them for Penn State. Yeah, and the good thing about football is that you play one game a week, and you have six days to learn what what about what went wrong in the previous week. And it was his first road Big Ten start, and you know it it went about as well as we expected. But you mentioned they still scored thirty points, they still beat the spread. Good teams win, great teams cover as you like to say, and does he learn from the film? Does, do we not take silly 
personal foul conduct, uh, unnecessary roughness, whatever penalties after the play that kill drives. Do we, do we catch first down passes on second down and not leave the team in third and eight, third and nine? So a lot of, a lot of things went wrong, but there was definitely some easy things to clean up. And, you know, I fully expected them to be back to their prolific ways on, on Saturday night. Yeah. And they have to play ahead of the chains. And what that means is, is playing second and manageable, third and manageable, getting into situations where it's first and where you're, where you're not chasing the first down, where it's not second and long, third and long, you know, getting chunks of yards. And if they're able to do that, I think that's going to be a great situation. I mean, historically, these are typically, these are close games. 14 of the seven or the 31 matchups have been decided by one possession, including, um, you know, including their last one. And that we all remember how that went. Japan state jumped out to a 17 to three lead and then didn't really do much the rest of the game and boom, lost, lost late in the game. So, I mean, that's a, that's a situation where, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a one position game tonight or on, on sat on Saturday night, but historically they, they play each other tough. This is an, another early season, big 10 game. So the playbook isn't going to be fully operable, fully open yet, but I do think we're going to see some new wrinkles this week. Um, obviously you're, you're thinking a couple weeks ahead because you've got Northwestern coming up. You've got UMass. Uh, you got the bye week in there as well. And then you've got at Ohio state and that showdown in Columbus. So if Penn State is able to get it into a rhythm and get play their game early, this is going to set them up for, for a lot of success later in that game. And you do that by feeding off the run and, and getting the tight ends involved, getting getting guys like that and, and, and getting Tyler Warren engaged and Theo Johnson engaged. And and you maybe you utilize Keandre Lambert Smith a little bit more. Liam Clifford is, is, is starting to turn it on as well. So, I mean, those – that's the game plan for Penn state to beat Iowa. And if they're able to do that, I think that that's, that's going to be a really good situation, but this is going to be the biggest test that Iowa has had all year. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head. If you get four or five yards on first down, every, every drive or every first down play, you can do whatever the heck you want. And that is going to happen by getting the offense and rhythm. If, if you have the, if you have the defense guessing of is the offense going to pass or is, or are they going to run? That's that's how you start getting four and five yards on it. And the only way that you're going to be able to move the ball both through the air and on the ground is get the air moving. If if KLS shows up, if Tyler Warren's involved in hitting seam routes along with Theo Johnson, this this is going to be a matchup where like the Penn State offense can start stretching their legs, get that defense spread out, and then Catron Allen and Nick Singleton can do whatever the heck they want. So yeah, and that's that's the recipe to for success for Penn State, not just against Iowa, but that's that's going to be against Ohio State, against Maryland, against Michigan, and teams like that. I mean, you you kind of look at the schedule, and it, and it's still very very impressive right now. You've got Northwestern next week. You know, look, I don't want to look too far ahead, but you get past Iowa, you're going to be two and zero in the Big Ten, which is a great situation to be in. You're at Northwestern, which should be an easy easy win. Now, again, that's a noon kick for for Penn State for us here on the East Coast. But that's a, an 11 a.m. kick in, in Chicago or, I guess, Evanston, Illinois is where they're at. Um, but then you come back, you then you get a week off, which is good. If you can go into that bye week 
obviously five and zero, and and healthy, come back for the tune up game against UMass. It, it's kind of like a the way that the bye falls this year. It's like a a first half schedule and a second half schedule, right? You've got that that tune up game against UMass, and then you're then you're on the road at Ohio State in a game that's probably going to be played at night. It hasn't been formally announced that I'm aware of yet, but I would imagine that game it's a scarlet out. Ooh, um, and that should be another that shouldn't be another instant classic. I saw last week that Fox is advertising that they got all three of those. The big and three, I'm, the big three matchup, which means we could be in for an eight hour uh, big oh, kickoff man. game for that one. We're so. going to talk a little bit more about broadcasting and a, little, and a couple other things when we come back for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast on the Nippy Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and the Sports Now Network. I'm Jared. He's Kevin. Kevin, it's my favorite part of this preview podcast. Can you tell me who won our bet last week? Uh, you did, but there's a caveat to that, and I'm going to make an argument here. So the bet last week was an over-under 64. We went aggressive. Over-under 64 yards is the longest carry. I confidently took the over and I will argue Nick Singleton's touchdown run, that could have gone for miles. Miles on Saturday. This he was by he was past everybody. This I think that there was Forrest the opportunity. There was this the is opportunity. not Forrest Gump where he runs straight out of the stadium. That's not how this works. <laughs> I'm just saying that could have gone that could have gone for as many yards as he wanted it to. There's no, absolutely not. That, that's every touchdown run. That's half a if point. You, that's half a point for me. That's not how that works. But if you want to help yourself and do that because you feel bad about yourself and throw yourself a pity party, that's by all means. Go for it. I need all but, the help I can get. Uh, Saturday's weather forecast before we get to our game predictions for this weekend. Daytime high of 65. Nighttime low of 53. Reminder, it is a 7.30 p.m. kickoff. Nine mile an hour winds with a 42 to 43 percent chance of rain, according to weather.com. I really like how they get uh down to the one percent accuracy on that. IQ weather is legit at Penn State, man. That's where it's founded. Uh, I use weather.com. Maybe I should switch brands. Oh man, you got to use AccuWeather. That's where it's at. Let I'm not me, loyal. Let me pull up AccuWeather really quick. I'm not loyal. While you're doing that, we'll get the spread. Penn State's favored by 14 and a half points on Saturday night with an over under of 40 and a half. While you're pulling up AccuWeather, do you want to do a special bet on the side? What is our special bet this week, Kevin? I'm going to go over under 16 incompletions for Cade McNamara. Over under 16? I got under. All right, I guess I have the over then. Is 16 too aggressive? You want something else? I mean, 16 is a lot. So, I mean, that, that, so my. We went aggressive last week. There's no more aggressive than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, but I think that's fair. Um, anything is possible. I'll add, I win if he throws three or more picks. Are we just making shit up as we go? Yeah, because 16 so aggressive. I need a little side bet. I win if Penn State wins. We all win. Go get your Big Mac because it's a strikeout guy. All right. Where do we score. draw the line? What's your AccuWeather say? <laughs> AccuWeather has a 25% chance Saturday of rain. It. Oh, that's in Altoona. Let me pull up State College, or I'm sorry, University Park. It's 65 degrees, cloudy, 
25% chance of rain. Um, but it should be, it's, there should be some clouds in the sky. Um, at night it, and it does jump up to a 60% chance. Um, a little rain from a tropical rainstorm, an eastward shift in the storm track can lead to a dry weather could lead to dry weather for the, for the whiteout game. So that could be a good situation where the rain doesn't come in until later, but it was supposed to rain against Delaware. It never did. It was just ungodly humid. Anything is possible in this area. It's insane as far as predicting what could happen. But I have, for a final score prediction, I have 38 to 13 uh, Penn State. All right. I'm going 31 to 10, barely on the over, and they keep their 30-point streak alive. That's fair. Now, this game is going to be on CBS. CBS has covered plenty of Penn State action in its history. This is going to be the 27th game on CBS. Last year, they were on CBS in their 40 in a 41 to 12 victory at Auburn. Um, it's the first time since eight days before, no, I'm sorry, not even eight days, but a little bit over two weeks before I was born in 1990, that Penn state will be on CBS. That was a 22 to 17 Penn state win over Pitt, November 24th, 1990. I was born December 5th, 1990. So CBS's sport. first game trip to Beaver stadium since, since then. Yep. Okay. Beaver Stadium trip since 1990. So there's that. But so I'm interested to see the, the presentation of CBS. I like CBS. I'm very thrilled with Peacock. Um, of course, they took a took an L the first week because Big Saturday night looks like Big Turd. And I think that's great. I think that's absolutely hilarious. I have a dirty sense of humor, so that that's phenomenal to me. But their game seemed like it, like it, it just had some flow to it, where like even the Peacock game the other day or the couple of weeks ago had a little bit of flow. The commercials con- were a little weird. The connection issues were. Yeah, and, and you're like gonna get that with streaming. Yeah, you're gonna get that with streaming. But overall, I think the presentation is great. But Fox is a is brutal, it, and it feels brutal. Like ESPN, you know the primetime games are going to take forever. Got to get all those commercials in. So, I mean, that makes it tough. But at the same time, like, I expect that. But Fox, man, even the noon games take forever. And that is just brutal. It really is. But you know what's not brutal? The viewing experience for fans this weekend. Six ranked top 25 matchups going on on Saturday. Which one are you looking forward to the most? Um, the, the one that I'm looking forward to the most is obviously Penn state because there's nothing quite like covering a whiteout, but that's the, but the one that, you know, the fun one for me, um, is Oregon, Colorado. Um, I love Deion Sanders. I think what he's doing is incredible. Um, but I just want to see them play a team that is good. Um, but then you've got, you know, Utah, UCLA, You've got Ole Miss, Alabama. I love what Lane Kiffin is doing. Um, if you've been able to follow Lane Kiffin on Twitter, like even his dog is tweeting now, and I'm not quite sure how that happens. I have two dogs uh, that Kevin is is fond of and knows, and they can't text yet. Um, they tried. Yeah, but it won't work. Who, you got, who do you have in that game? Alabama's favorite by six and a half, and I think that's ultra generous. I, I love, mean, ultra. Uh, I think that's like a two point game. I think, I think Ole Miss. I want. I want Ole Miss to win. 
I think, I think Ole Miss could win by 10. I'm not putting money on that, but I, I think Ole Miss could go into Tuscaloosa and put a beat down on the Crimson Tide. Then you've got Oregon State and Washington is another one. Georgia and Alabama, Birmingham will be rough. Um, Ohio State, Notre Dame is a 6-9 matchup that has some pretty significant implications for, for Penn State. Um, that game's at 7.30 on it's NBC. tough to watch both. Um, yeah, yeah. If you have a split-screen option, that's what I would do if you're at home um, or if you're at your favorite local establishment. I think that would be great. Um, but, man, that's a that's a game where, like, if you're a Penn State fan, I feel like you might root for the refs. Um, <laughs> like I'm so torn because I don't like Ohio state at, at all. And I'm, I like, I have a program. I have a, a football program from Notre Dame Marshall last year. If you remember that game, Marshall beat Notre Dame. I have that. I have the game program in my, in my classroom at school. I work with a lot of, you know, Notre Dame fans and I make sure that's a topic of conversation. That's a nice little piece. Hey, check out my Notre Dame program. Oh, why do you have that? Well, who's who's what game is it, right? Um, I think but it's man, as low as four forty four for that game on ESPN, according to ESPN. That's a hefty price tag to get in the door. Yeah. Apparently, there's con- some concerns that uh, Notre Dame fans choose money over their team. Um, so be look be on the lookout for some scarlet in the crowd. So the <laughs> in South the Bend, thing, Indiana. The, and I feel I feel bad for the Big Ten. I'm looking at the Big Ten schedule. Because Rutgers and Michigan, actually, that's a th- two three and O teams. Um, Penn St- Rutgers, much like Penn State, has covered all three games. But you got Florida Atlantic and Illinois, gay Maryland, Michigan State. I would imagine Maryland boat races. Michigan the coachless, State. the coachless Spartans. Yeah, Mel Tucker finally fired, and counter suing. Gotta love it. Louisiana Tech, Nebraska, and then there are two prime time. <laughs> I'm I'm I shouldn't laugh at this, but this is just kind of the way that worked out. There are two primetime games um in the Big Ten. In addition to so th- think about this, right? I'm getting a little off topic here, but Iowa and Penn State is one primetime game. That's at 730. Ohio State Notre Dame is the other one. Then you've got Akron and Indiana on Big Ten Network. And then you've got Minnesota and Northwestern also in primetime on Big, on Ten, Big Network. Ten Network. Yeah. So, I don't understand. Are they trying to hide the cats? Uh, I mean, but you, you would think they'd want that game over the out of conference game that is IU and I, Akron. I, I don't know. It's. I mean, everybody gets a chance, right? Everybody gets a night game. They don't get very often. They're very many. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really fun slate of football. Um, I'm actually going to be starting my day in football. Um, it's very hard to find in the Northeast Conference. Um, working at the Sacred Heart St. Francis game in Loretto at noon. Um, that's where my day will start. I will be working at the scoreboard and also covering the game for the Altoona Mirror. And then I'll be heading up to Beaver Stadium to cover the nightcap. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a nice little weekend of, of football. Yes, it sure will. Noon game to look out for that I thought was going to be a banger to start the season. Clemson or Florida state travels to Clemson. Um, mm. Florida state only favored by two and a half points though. That's interesting. I don't think Florida state's as good as their ranking is. Um, I, yeah, I don't know, but, but uh, two and a half uh, points seems generous over Clemson because Clemson's not that good. I thought they were going to be good. I thought, yeah, uh, but at the same time, like, 
Clemson has handled everybody other than that Duke loss. Now, they look terrible against Duke, but they came out and they thumped Charleston Southern, and then they put up 48 against Florida Atlantic and dropped out of the rankings, um, which is kind of weird. Um, you'd think that a team like that yeah, it's Club Nick's first full sheet. season starting, so I think he needs a few games to get into his rhythm. All right, Colorado, Oregon. But, we'll go back to it before we leave. Oregon's favored by 21. Yeah, I like that. I just don't know what to expect from Colorado. And Travis Hunter is out, and Travis Hunter is a stud. Like, But I the, the game of the week that I think – or the upset of the week, I think, is Clemson over Florida State. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, I think Davo beats Davo and the Tigers beat the Seminoles. Um, but the game that I think everybody's going to watch it if you're Penn State is obviously Notre Dame and Ohio State because whoever wins that game is going to jump Penn State most likely. Um, unless unless it is Notre Dame and Penn State beats the number twenty five ranked team in the country pretty easily. Um, then I can see them both moving up. But I think if you're Penn State, you want to win and beat Ohio State when they don't have a massive chip on their shoulder. <laughs> but yeah. it'll be nice to – it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame plays them. I like Marcus Freeman. I, I really do. But I'm very interested to see how that game plays out because that's going to help set the game plan for Penn State and how to beat um, the Buckeyes. Yeah, and Kyle McCord hasn't looked great this year for Ohio State. Finally got it going against Youngstown State last week. So oh, the Penguins. I think that wasn't Youngstown State. That was Western Kentucky. Oh yeah, it was the Hilltopper. Robert Penguins. Morris played Youngstown State. Yeah, Ohio State played only... Youngstown State a couple weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yes, yes. Yeah, um, the Penguins. But yeah, I think I think Ohio State's number six ranking is a little bit of a gift. Yeah, they can't, and, they and... can't have Penn State jump them because of history, which I get, but. I don't know, man. So what's crazy to me, is, and, and I forget which national media guy said this, but and, and I agreed with it. I, I want to say it was Herb Street. I, I could be wrong. But like Ryan Day's job has got to have so much pressure. Don't get me wrong. Ryan Day looks like a squirrel. I would love to be able to have to recruit at Ohio State, right? But if they squeak a game out, it's what's what's going on at Ohio State. If they blow a team out, Okay, all things are good. But if it's close, they're like, oh, shit, what's what's going on? Is, is, is this the end? There, it, winning is easy. Sustained winning is hard. Saban says it. Every every major coach has always said that. And it, it is so true because you have to maintain that level of excellence. And you're seeing that Clemson, after after not having an elite quarterback, is back to where they – back to reality. It's it's maintaining that success is, is difficult. And Penn State, I mean, you look at Penn State, eleven and two or ten and two every year or ten and three, or whatever, is nothing to is slouch at, right? But because that has been the 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 level of expectation, anything ab- above it is great, but anything beneath it is, whether that's nine or ten wins, that's never a great thing. No, I think it's it- really tough. It's it's being it's the curse of the four team playoff, right? Penn State would have made the twelve team playoff five five years since twenty fourteen and its inception. So we're going into what the tenth or eleventh year of the of the final four, and I think it's set that expectation of you have to be perfect 
And you're right, Ryan Dangers doesn't have that elite quarterback talent that he's had. They have talent across the board everywhere else. They have what two, three first round wide receivers on the on the team right now, too. And but they they had a lot of turnover last year. So we'll see how their season develops. Penn State's got them in what three weeks from now. And um we'll see what they can do against the Fighting Irish on Saturday. But it's gonna be a fun weekend. We will be we will have our post game show after the whiteout on Sunday. So you guys can sleep it off. I will be sleeping it off hopefully for a couple hours. And then we will have that for you ready to go Monday morning, wherever you listen, please rate, subscribe, review, whatever you got to do, get us bumping up on all of your podcast streaming sites. But for Kevin quickly, this has been Jared Prugar on the lashing out podcast and an esports now network. We thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you again on, on Monday.